going to the cemetery and we're gonna get married. Coming to you from six feet above to Little Ohio. This is the 222 Paranormal Podcast with host Jen and Joe. What's happening, my friends? What's going on, Joseph? Mm, nothing. So, I was sitting in the basement okay. Sunday night, and I have my laptop down there because, you know, that's where I box up all my sales and stuff. And I'm sitting where I normally sit, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there, and mind you, I had the air conditioning was off. I turned it off completely because it was cold in the basement. I'm sitting there, and something blew in my ear so much that it blew my hair out of my, really out of my because my hair was kind of it. It's the second time I've had something blow in my ear in my house. That's bizarre. And it wasn't like oh maybe you know my hair fell down mm-hmm. or something. It literally went. And my hair went back and I looked and I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> so Creeper my, ghost. It was kind of nice. <laughs> I'm like, it's so interesting uh, and strange at the same time. It didn't freak me out. I thought I'd be a little bit more scared than I was, but I wasn't. It's getting to the point where like, well, whatever. Yeah. You know, I think it's my friend David who passed because the day before... Joe and I had gone um, to one of our cousin's kids' wedding at this beautiful, beautiful setting. It was a arboretum. And the interesting thing is, okay, I was thinking about my friend David earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. And then I went over to my mom's house and I picked her up because I had to take her to the Catholic bookstore so she could get a, a crucifix for their wedding. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a whole ordeal, but I won't <laughs> spare you guys the details of me trying to wrangle my mom's wheelchair into my Volkswagen. <laughs> uh, and then, um, so I, my mom said, oh, I was thinking about um, David for some reason crossed my mind. I'm like, uh, so weird because I was just thinking about it. I don't know why she was thinking about it. So we get to the place where they're having this wedding and it's in this little town in Ohio. And how long do you think it took us to get there? About, about 20 minutes. 20 minutes outside yeah. of Toledo. And the name of the place is Shadell's. Okay. My friend David, who passed away, his last name was Gross Shadell. Yeah. What are the chances? <laughs> and I was just like, my, my mind's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And you think about this. <clears throat> we talk about, you know, coincidences mm-hmm. and that. Think of all the things that have to line up in the universe for that instant to happen. Yeah. To where... They have to get engaged. They have to figure out, well, we're going to have the wedding, they, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. And I show up. Uh, <laughs> but the funny part was, was when we were driving and you know how we went through that little downtown part. And I mean, it was like literally five or six buildings in this downtown. Yeah. And I told, I said, well, you know, David sent me a butterfly that's, or, you know, as a sign. If this is you, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. 
And at the ceremony, this guy comes over and he just opens his box and releases two butterflies. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. His story was that when they first met or something, he raised butterflies and they released them. Okay. On the day that they met or something. I don't know the exact thing. but <laughs> And so he did it as a gesture of, you know, like continuation of yeah. their faith or whatever. I don't know. But it was just so weird. And then the next day I get air, you know, something blows in my ear. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's so funny. I don't know. Just weird stuff, you know. Yeah. But the story of Ghost Brides goes back so long ago. And we always hear these stories of seeing the brides, you know, whether they're on the bridge and they're hurrying up to go to the wedding and a bus hits them or a motorcyclist gets his head chopped off and the head rolls and knocks the bride off the bridge or whatever, you know, (laughs) but local legends, right? Yeah. There's always that bridge in in every town that, you know, it's so tragic. Sometimes you hear these stories. Like there was a recent story in the news about this bride and her husband and they got married and they're both like really attractive and happy and had this wedding and they leave the reception and they get in this golf cart and they're leaving driving to wherever they're driving mm-hmm. i don't know in a golf cart and some girl who's drunk allegedly plows into him and kills the bride yeah. and really severely injures the mm-hmm. girl like is that not a recipe for a ghost right yeah. like to haunt the rest of your days in your wedding dress yeah in the wedding dress and you know a lot of these stories are like that where they're either going to the wedding or they're at their wedding, mm-hmm. and something happens where it's instant tragedy, instant death, or whatever you want to say. So, in their mind, they're still alive. Yeah. And they're wandering around the space where they passed away at, thinking that they're still alive. And I've thought about this, too, is when we talk about ghosts that act like that, you know, is it a loop? Does it go so far and then bam, they're back at the beginning? Or, you know, of course, mm-hmm. we we know that time doesn't exist on their side, but there has to be some kind of time where they're doing something, like mm-hmm. walking through a cemetery or that, or, you know. Yeah, and it's your happiest day of your life, right? It's one of the most, for some people, mm-hmm. you know, that intense elation emotion i'm getting married you know i'm in love unless you're marrying for money but whatever <laughs> but you know here you have the, i'll just say the happy you're yeah a young bride and you're yeah. the happiest day of your life and boom tragedy strikes mm-hmm. and you're just set to roam the earth always wanting to go down the aisle yeah but now you're going down the aisle of the cemetery <laughs> um have a really interesting story. Now, this one's a true story. This is called The True Story of Alexandra's Burning Bride. Oh. Yes. So there was a tragic tale of a woman named Laura Schaefer of Alexandria. Now, this young lady was on her wedding day, wedding night, sorry, was killed in a freak accident when her wedding dress caught fire. Mm. The incident, unfortunately, turned into an urban legend that led generations to refer to her as the Burning Bride of Alexandria. 
However, the story is, um, you know, what's left over is years of rumors and gossips and telephone game. And this has gone on for almost 200 years. But the real story is very heartbreaking. And so for the sake of historical accuracy, we're going to kind of set the record straight of um, Laura Schaefer and her beloved. And maybe her spirit will be at rest once we tell the real story here. Okay. With some slight variations throughout the years, it is told and written about Laura is that she died in June of 1868 on her wedding night. Now, June has historically always been like the month for weddings. And I think that goes back into like old Celtic traditions that, um, you know, people would get married in June because it was spring and they took their spring bath and the reason, you know. <laughs> took their spring bath. Yeah. Well, they you were know, clean. Pe- people didn't, they only they bathed didn't like once a year. And that's why brides traditionally would wear or hold flowers going down the aisle is to cover the stench. What? <laughs> okay. So anyways, so while trying on her wedding dress, she ended up spilling a kerosene lamp on herself. The dress goes right up in flames. Laura understandably panicked, but the door to her room was stuck and she couldn't escape. She went on to die from her injuries and the funeral was held in the parlor on her wedding day. Now, one version of the story states that the poor girl died um, minutes before her wedding of the same accident. Her guests were outside mingling in the garden and did not hear her dying screams. Another version claims she had a 45-foot train on her wedding dress, and that's what cut fire as she was trying to maneuver through the home. Now, I don't know about that, because older wedding dresses 200 years ago probably wouldn't have a train no. like that, unless you were like a, a English princess or something. Um, now, the true story really kind of starts like this. So Laura Schaefer was the youngest child of Christian and Susan Schaefer, a prominent couple who owned a confectionery shop in Alexandria. And this is like the D.C. area, like Washington, D.C. area. After they closed the shop for the night on June 27, 1868, the family went to their upstairs apartment to retire for the evening. Had things gone as planned, the family would have spent the evening talking as they prepared the sweets for the shop the next day. Unfortunately, that night took a sharp turn for the worse. Um, and it does show a photo of that um, the ho- place where they lived. It was on North Fairfax Street in Alexandria, what is now Washington, D.C. Okay. Uh, Laura's upcoming nuptials to a young man named Charles Tennyson was probably the talk of the family, if not the entire town. Even the newspapers uh, where their engagement was announced said uh, Charles was regarded for his kindness of heart and agreeable manners and that he had been her constant companion for years. Laura never had another beau and wanted no other. They would soon wed, looking forward to their lifetime together. While getting ready for for bed, Laura took a kerosene lamp with her to her father's bedroom to bid him goodnight. It was then that the glass of the lamp cracked, burning and burning oil splashed onto her clothes, her Victorian clothes, consisting of a standard hoop skirt, corset, and thick layers of fabric um, that fed the raging fire and prevented her from stripping out of the flaming materials. Dropping the lamp in her father's room, 
and causing a fire there, she fled through the house screaming in pain as the fire caught her skin and hair. Running fanned the flames, and by the time she got to the stairs, her mother and brother-in-law tried to help her. He threw her his coat over her and was able to extinguish the flames. Her mother was burned in the process while trying to help. The fire in her father's bedroom was extinguished, although the flames had reached up to the ceiling. Laura was covered in second and third degree burns. Parts of her skin were even described as the consistency of a crisp by the summoned physician, Dr. Lewis. In the period of that time, immediately following after the accident, Laura made was made as comfortable as possible because there was nothing they could do to help her. Opioids and painkillers were available at the time, but unknown if they gave Laura any. There's speculation that she may had suffered for over 15 hours until she passed away at 11 a.m. on June 29, 1868, at the tender age of 26 years old. As usual, her beloved Charles was there the whole time and was by her side while she was dying. Now, Charles was just so despondent over her death of his beloved that he decided to drown his grief with copious amounts of alcohol. With the company of his friends, Henry Green, to bolster his mood, Charles went to a wholesale liquor warehouse where his friend was a member. Letting themselves inside, the two pulled ales and drank in stunned silence. Henry was one of Charles's oldest friends and was horrified at his friend's loss. Laura was widely regarded as a pillar of her community, described in the Gazette as a pretty ornament with large circle of friends and family who were devastated after her tragic passing. Charles, known for his cheerful attitude previously, quickly became dreary and depressed. Henry just tried to comfort his friend the best he could. And what do you say to a man who just lost the love of his life in such a violent end? Charles was finished with his drink. Henry grabbed the mugs to clean them. Behind them, a loud, sudden retort of gunfire tore through the air and echoed around the warehouse. Henry turned in time to see his friend's lip, limp body hit the ground, a self-inflicted bullet wound bleeding from his temple with or from his Whitney revolver. Henry summoned the doctor, but Charles' injury was too severe. The bullet had not exited smoothly, but had rather bounced around inside of his skull. Instead of a painless instant death, he was now dying slowly in a catatonic limbo. 20 minutes later, he breathed his last breath, not four hours after his beloved Laura had died. Now, you know, some people might think of this as like, oh, you know, like a Shakespeare tale or a Romeo Juliet type thing, but this is um, a sad tale of star-crossed lovers, which was true. Unfortunately, the story becomes warped over time because of details and dates, and people are adding and subtracting tales. But Charles is usually never mentioned, or that he died later. Usually, they were say, you know, he died of a broken heart, but that's not exactly what happened. Laura always dies on in her wedding dress, but at some point on her wedding day. Still, the story, you know, may not end with their newspaper paper obituaries it seems that both spirits of a male and female presence have been felt in the house in nearby properties businesses such as the candy store downtown now it's believed that laura is the female spirit and she has manifested herself over the years to children and adults children claim to see her in her wedding dress crying in a corner and adults have seen the empty kerosene lamp move around from uh, room to room 
after hours and the lamp lit and moving from room to room. There's been the smell of burning hair, a cold wind that will whip past people down the stairs, and they believe it to be Laura sprinting for her life. A woman's voice was recorded saying hello to a paranormal investigator. When the building was a real estate office, a woman claimed that the door swelled shut on her and she couldn't leave. Suddenly, the door flew open and a gust of cold air blew past her. She claimed to hear panting breaths of a person at the bottom of the stairs, but there was nobody there. It seems that Charles did not stay as amicable as he was in life. If people do sense a male presence, he is considered to be angry or inspire feelings of dread. There's a sense of doom and claustrophobia inside. A male voice was recorded telling a business owner, enough and leave. And the candy store has had its displays knocked over and items move with uh, throughout the night. Now, it said that, um, you know, tragedies can leave a scar in place and that maybe that Laura's death was so sad and awful it left an imprint in that very building itself. Residual hauntings can be understood as a recording of an event that plays on a loop. And some of the things reported by witnesses suggest that Laura's sprint left a literal, 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 literal. La, 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 impression that will play when the time is right. Whether it's a recording or not of uh, Laura and Charles, who are the spirits trying to reach out, their story is one for the ages, but it doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon. Um, perhaps after hours, they join each other for a stroll through town. And watch as it changes as time marches on, finally in each other's arms. That's a good story. Yes. Ghost brides. Ghost brides. But, you know, it makes sense. Like, that time of year, it could very well have been, you know, a lot of women died that way. That, you know, embers from the fire fell out and, um, you know, would cut their dresses. I mean, they were... that happened a lot. No fire... Resistant materials no, back then. No, no, no. You know, it kind of reminds me of the City Tavern in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. A bride and her bridesmaids were preparing for the wedding when one of the bridesmaids actually necked, or accidentally knocked over a candle, setting the curtains on fire. The fire spread throughout the tavern, taking the lives of the bride and the bridesmaids. Oh, no. Now, they've since rebuilt the place. And the ghost of the bride is supposedly active to this day, especially during weddings at the tavern. Mm-hmm. It The story goes that she will actually show up in the cameras now of the photographer through the viewfinder, but never shows up on film. Oh, that's so cool. When so the have, photographer will be taking pictures during a wedding and another bride will be standing. He'll see the other bride mm-hmm. through the viewfinder, which is strange because it's just mirrors. Yeah. But then yeah. again, you know, uh, a mirror in the camera because single lens reflexes have the mm-hmm. mirrors. Then again, that's a mirror. Yeah. Oh, how sad. Even though it's tiny mm-hmm. and in the camera. So, you know, stories like that happen all the time where, Brides, This in this case, it was the brides and the bridesmaids that passed away. And there's a ghost bride in that tavern now. So I have another story. And this one's out of San Antonio, Texas, which I've heard is a very, very haunted town. Yeah. Like crazy haunted. We haven't been there, but we'll get there someday. 
Um, there's a place called the Emily Morgan Hotel, and it resides in a building that was erected in the 1920s. Now, the hotel itself was established in eight, 1980. So the building was first used as a medical arts building and is lined with like gargoyles portraying themselves in different medical ailments, which I think is kind of cool. I love gargoyles. Um, such an astonishing building comes with some astonishing ghost stories, of course. The seventh floor of the 13th floor building is haunted by a ghost bride. Now, her backstory is unknown, but visitors of the hotel have called down to the front desk after hearing loud shrieks. Hotel staff simply say, we're sorry, but we do not think that it might be a ghost that's responsible for that. But I beg to differ. Now, do you remember, Joe, the investigation we did at the Wingate Hotel in Savannah, Ohio? Yes. So Joe and I, with Haunted Toledo, went and there was a report of a ghost bride. Mm -hmm. It ties into um, a story about Ohio's first serial killer return ward, which we've talked about on the mm -hmm. show. And um, we won't go into detail now because it's a long story. But anyways... On the fourth floor, was it? Or the third floor? Fourth floor. No, it was the fourth floor, the top floor. The maids who worked there, and it's a fairly new hotel. It is. It was built probably 10 years ago. If that, yeah. It looks new still. Yeah, it looks brand new. They see her at the end of the hallway, and then she walks towards them and just disappears. I don't know if they call it a ghost bride, but I still think that that's Return Ward's wife. Because the story goes on that location. Now, obviously, there was not a four-story hotel there. Mm -hmm. It was just a railroad yard. But the story goes that that's where he put a lot of her bones. And the skull was found in the creek right next to that. So they call her a ghost bride. But maybe she was just in white because you got to remember, too, you know, we always talk about the woman in white and mm -hmm. stuff like that because... A lot of your burial shrouds are a white cloth, you know, a white, you know, mm -hmm. dress. Yeah. And I don't remember the time of day that she was supposed to be murdered, but their undergarments, because, mm. you know, they had like 15 layers of underwear, <laughs> were white outfits. Right. Now, I believe it was in the evening because, remember, she was at home and he had lured her to come back um, after she had left him. Okay. And he bludgeoned her with an iron, you know, one of those old cast iron irons. Yeah. And um, stuffed her under the bed, which I don't know if you guys know, but um, I did a ghost investigation there. And I got un in the spot where the bed was mm -hmm. and was laying there. It was really, really creepy. And we got shadows and it was, yeah, it was just really odd. Uh, oh, so anyways, he... Stuffed her body under the bed. Then he took her and basically cooked her mm -hmm. in an oven or boiled or something to like cut the body they, up. And the house was a small house. Yeah. And it had the wood burning stove that was also the same thing that you cooked on at the time. Mm -hmm. So you heated the house with it. It was basically just a pot belly stove with things on top that you can cook food on in that. Yeah. It's so gross. And then he did try to char some of her bones out in the backyard. You know, but back then that was normal to have a outdoor fire, you yeah. know. And then he spread her 
walked along the main street spreading her remains in various places, one of the places being right where this Mm -hmm. hotel was built. Now, the creek there is called Ten Mile Creek. And what's really interesting is that that was a creek that the Native Americans, when they lived in that area, um, had used as a trade route. Mm -hmm. Um, They camped there. They got fresh water there. And so there's been some talk, too, that there's been hauntings um, related to that. And that creek runs right to Gibbs Bridge, which where I famously caught my first EVP (laughs) that said Gibbs, and I got so excited. Um, But that creek runs right under Gibbs Bridge, which Mm -hmm. is notoriously a haunted hotspot here in in Ohio. But yeah, like you said, she, she appears, she walks down the aisle, um, probably because of the hoop type or, you know, full skirts. Yeah. People may, you know, may mis- think that it's and, a bride. And they're seeing a, um, what do you call it? Like a, not a shadow, but a apparition. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's in black and white, right? I guess you would say. Yeah. The thing is, that crick has so many different legends about it. And I want to talk about the one for that's right by there, also a ravine cemetery. But before we get to that, I'm reminded of a story that I saw while doing the you know the research for the show. And I can't find it anywhere else because so I don't know the girl's name. But the story goes it was in San Diego. And this girl was out getting stuff for her wedding. The wedding was supposed to happen the next day. Which is another thing that I'll explain in a minute. But so the story goes, she was out getting her stuff for her wedding. She stopped at the flower shop, got all the flowers, got her wedding dress, got on the cable car, got to her her location, stepped off the cable car, and another one hit her as she was getting off. It's like she stepped off the one right into the path of the other one, going the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. Killed her instantly. And... It turned out that instead of having the wedding the next day, they had the funeral, which tells me that this is more of a legend than that because they wouldn't have the funeral the next day. Of course, I don't know. Back well, in the 1800s, they, I don't know what they did back then. Yeah. I but, mean, I don't think they were embalming people, so it probably had to be right away. Yeah. So anyways, Everybody was coming anyway, so you might as well just yeah. have the funeral. So the story goes that she stepped off the cable car and she was deaf so she didn't hear the other car coming Mm, and she was carrying all the boxes so she got hit she died instantly the funeral was the next day they used the wedding flowers for the casket and she was buried in her wedding dress so the story goes that her apparition is seen in the church and also where she was hit you know, they had the church, the wedding, or mm-hmm. the funeral in the church that the wedding was supposed to happen and everything. Oh, my gosh. So her apparition is seen by people in the church during, you know, services and stuff. I don't know about that one because, like you said, the, the mm-hmm. said the funeral was the next day and her wedding was supposed to be the next day. But like you say, hey, everybody's there already. So Do you remember just... the story? And this comes resurfaces every once in a while. 
there's a mannequin in a shop window yeah. in a wedding dress yeah. of this La Cuida or something yeah. like that her name is and she passed away and the father or the mother I can't remember you the guys father you'll have yeah put her in the wedding dress and put her in the window and she's still there to this day yeah they say it's the most anatomically correct mannequin that anybody has ever seen they say that it's her yeah uh, so I wonder if they just you know, put like wax over the skeleton or, oh my God, it's very creepy looking if you guys look it up. But, you know, another really, really creepy story that we have a local legend here Joe wants to tell you about. Yeah, there's a cemetery here and it is right by the 10 Mile Creek. That's right. It's like, what? The creek runs through it. Oh, it does? Yeah. Because that's why it's called Ravine because there's that ravine that goes down between, there's actually two cemeteries. Yeah. And this ravine cuts right through it. It's 10 Mile Creek. Oh, I didn't know that. Ooh, creepy. See? Joe, creepy. Creepy. So this is an interesting cemetery. It was um, established back in the 1800s in Savannah, Ohio. And one thing that is weird about this cemetery is Freddy Krueger's tombstone is in this cemetery. Yeah. There's actually a Freddy Krueger that died. And back in the 80s when that movie came out, and it was super popular, constantly had people in there. And I didn't even know about it back then, but constantly had people or kids going in there, daring each other <laughs> to touch Freddy Krueger's tombstone in the middle of the night. Just trying to rest in peace. Yeah. And all these punk ass 80s kids in there. With their fluorescent <laughs> clothing on. and Totally, the, dude. The um, triangle shaped glasses and stuff. Oh. <laughs> and the big hair. That was me. <laughs> I'm a total 80s kid. But anyways. But that was the big thing about that cemetery. But then stories started coming out about a ghost bride that's in the cemetery. And I didn't know about it until just recently. And there was actually a article in Toledo Blade that talks about it. And I think this was the article was back in the 70s, I believe talking about the ghost bride of Ravine Cemetery. Mm -hmm. Now, the story goes is that there was a lady, and they believe her name is Annie. She was married, and her husband died under strange circumstances, and she never wanted to be alone. So she married again. Mm -hmm. And that has that husband died of mysterious circumstances. So she married again. Wow. And that husband died of mysterious circumstances. <laughs> Now, did they have... <laughs> Annie, are you okay? Are you okay, yeah. Annie? <laughs> and so she was so distraught that... Because that's all she wanted was to have a husband. She wanted a husband... Doesn't everybody... That doesn't die under strange circumstances. Uh, and it's one. weird because it was always right after the insurance went... No. Um, <laughs> but... The legend goes that she died or she ended up dying and they were not sure where they wanted to bury her or which husband to bury her with. Mm -hmm. So what they did was they actually buried her on the other side of the cemetery. Oh, no. Away from the other husbands. So the legend goes that on the anniversary of their deaths, if you go into the cemetery, mm -hmm. you'll see the ghost bride walking around in the cemetery. Now she's been seen in the back of the cemetery. Mm -hmm. 
which I've got another story for you in a second. Okay. She was been seen in the back of the cemetery walking around, but she's also been seen walking up by the road along the wrought iron fence. Now, the thing about that is we believe that the girl's name was Annie, and there's actually an Annie buried in the front of the oh, Ravine Cemetery okay. at a time where a lot of the other tombstones weren't in that area, which would add weight or whatever to the legend mm-hmm. that she was buried farthest away from her husband's that they could have buried her. Now, they think that she is so distraught and she's searching the cemetery for her ex-husband's, but maybe she's not. Maybe she is seen on the anniversaries of their deaths mm-hmm. to show homage or homage or Amish to show Amish. <laughs> no, do you know what I mean? To show like reverence or that for them. Maybe mm-hmm. she is looking for their graves. Or maybe she's trying to keep them from appearing on their anniversary of their death because she had something to do with it. You never know. Maybe she's police, policing that situation. Yeah. Can you stay six feet under or else I'm going to put you there again? <laughs> exactly. Right? Um, I've been to that cemetery and it's so funny because we had a family reunion right right by there at St. Joseph's Church in their community center. So when you leave out there, you go down the road where that cemetery is. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to drive through the cemetery. It's a small cemetery. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you make one loop and you're through it. Yeah. And I'm driving through there and I look over and I see this car and it's you yeah. driving, driving through, through it there. too. <laughs> and I just look at you like, what? <laughs> That's what I did. I put my hand up. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> but it's, if you go down that road at nighttime, Sometimes you'll get chased out by the police because the police tend to go and find people in there all the mm-hmm. time and they, you know, you can get in trouble. Trespassing. Yeah. But if you drive down that road and it's nighttime, it is so eerie. It's just, you get a spooky feeling. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in the daytime, there's something to that. Now, they have seen um, Civil War soldiers in the back. There's a Civil War section yeah. back there. Mm-hmm. And what what's your story about that, Joe? So my story is I was back there looking for the Civil War section mm-hmm. and I'm walking around and I'm walking through and all of a sudden I find this this like fort, like a fort, like um, you know how you have Civil War forts and they have the corners of them that have like a, the building is wider on top than on the bottom. Uh-huh. So I found one back there. I'm like, this is weird. And I looked in it and there were like blankets and kids toys and i'm thinking this is creepy is this some creeper Uh living in this monument or whatever it is Uh and i'm walking around i look up and i realize i'm in someone's backyard and that's the the play thing that the kids play in i'm walking around these people's backyard and i'm like oh crap and i'm taking (laughs) pictures of it with my camera i got my camera stuck inside oh my god lucky they didn't find i was like oh and i backed up i'm like and I said out loud, oh, I'm not supposed to, this isn't the cemetery, you know, just like, <laughs> hello, I screwed up, you know, and I'm oh, like, geez. imagine what the people in the house are like, there's some creep in the backyard taking pictures of where our kids play. <laughs> that could be, go very awkward, yeah. very quickly. But I, I, that happens because we've seen a lot, like the cemetery we just went to in Mansfield. 
it, there's no fence between the people's backyards and the cemetery. Yeah. Literally, the one guy had his whole like little fire pit and everything like what five ten feet from the from graves. Yes, yeah, from graves, and it, it. I thought it was like the um, house that where they mow the grass and all that, but uh-huh. then we're walking along and there's a big garage where they have all their equipment. I'm like, that is someone's house. It Basically was, in the cemetery. Can you imagine? Can you imagine sitting out at the your fire pit, you know, in front, and there's one of your people that are there <laughs> leaning up against the tombstone, going, "Yeah, party." Or the ghosts just come around the fire because you can yeah. see them through the smoke. See a ghost bride walking at you. But the legends of ghost brides—it's so interesting because you hear so many stories, and every town has a ghost bride story, mm-hmm. and. Like I said, a lot of them are the crybaby bridge type stuff. Mm -hmm. Like this one was in Phelps Grove Park in Springfield, Missouri. When driving over bridge in Phelps Grove Park, a newly married couple lost control of their car and both died. The bride still haunts the location. She can be seen holding the hem of her wedding dress and her face is just dark. You can't see her face. Can you imagine seeing that? I would love to. <laughs> um, there's a uh, another one of those type things where a similar story on Onondaga Hill um, in Onondaga Hill, New York. Oh, right, New York. This kind of reminds me of like Sleepy Hollow. Um, 60 years ago, a young couple died in a car crash on a very snaky road after their wedding. People claim to see the bride on Halloween. Her glowing figure floats down the road in a wedding gown searching for her husband. Some say um, she carries a bright orange lantern, which is interesting because like a lot of the New York legends, everybody's carrying a lantern. (laughs) (laughs) Um I mean, there's just so many, especially, you know, these are all American ones. Yeah. You know, there's many, many more different countries, but, you know, it's every, like you said, every city mm-hmm. or state. Ugh, I can't talk today. Every state has one, um, some kind of local legend. I like the one where this, I saw it on one of the ghost shows, but it wasn't one of the popular ones. It was one of those, like, you know, most haunted locations in mm-hmm. America or whatever. Um, guy w- was passing by the cemetery in his car and saw a girl walking and like, hey, are you okay? And, and she like gets in the back seat, mm-hmm. and, you know, he drives and then she disappears, that kind of thing. She can only go as far as the edge of the cemetery. Yeah. And then like it's the night of her, you know, anniversary or mm-hmm. her death or whatever. So I love those kind of stories. I just, I could read those stories all day long. I'd rather go see yeah. Like some cemeteries. But I wonder how many brides or people who have died were buried in their wedding dress. You would, it, you would probably think that it's a lot. Yeah. Interesting. Um, it's interesting, too, is a lot of your wedding dresses are passed down from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. I went to, I don't know if I told this story on air, but, you know, I'm a thrifter, so I went to this estate sale one time. And this family was selling a wedding dress for $30. I wish I would have bought it, but I didn't. It had been in their family for generations. And this lady was like, I just don't want it. Yeah, It was from the early 1800s and multiple people had worn it, she said. And I was looking at it and something was just calling to me. But I felt like I couldn't buy it because it didn't belong to me. You know what I mean? It should... My feeling and my gut was telling me it has to stay in the family, mm-hmm. but this lady just didn't care. Yeah. 
And I was like, it's probably because she didn't have a husband or was married. And, you know, and listen, this dress was tiny. So, you know, back in the day, people were not, you know, have chunky, chunky, chunky like me. Um, but I, I want something compelled me to buy it. But something also told me, no, it has to stay with the family. Yeah, and that's what I think it should have been, you know, but put it in a the, box and keep it for future generations. You know what I mean? Cousins or someone to sell it in the in a, oh, just to it sell broke it my heart and say, no, I don't want this. Yeah, she was really kind of curt about it. And I was just like, you know, I love history. Mm -hmm. I love historical things. Something like she could have donated it to um, a historical society or something with the pictures of the people who Exactly. It was, it broke my heart. It was so weird. I don't know why. I just, I just felt compelled like I should buy this. But then something kept telling me no. It's not, you know. You could have had a haunted dress. I could have. I already have a haunted table. Weird stuff happening since I bought that table now at I a did, garage sale. I had a wedding dress. Oh. <laughs> Joe's lucky wedding dress. My lucky wedding dress. My friend Sue gave it to me for photography. Mm-hmm. She gave me a whole box of stuff, and the wedding dress was part of it. She said that she paid like five grand for this wedding dress, and it's her lucky wedding dress because she got married in it three times. <laughs> Nice. Do you still have it? No. Oh darn. No. I be fine. I to... don't even remember what happened to it. I probably donated to Goodwill or something. But... Put it on and walk through the cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> Late at night. As a trigger object, right? Oh yeah, you yeah. Know? Joe out in a wedding dress. Here comes the bride. It's the only time I would ever smoke a cigar at the same time. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, people with the um straight straight jacket to come and take <laughs> you away. Although that sounds like a vacation at this point. But. Yeah. Uh, but um, good luck to anybody who's getting married this year. Hopefully our ghost bride stories didn't scare you off. <laughs> but if you um, do tragically pass in your wedding dress, come back and haunt it. You know, say hello. Let us know if it's real. Yeah, don't haunt us. Just say hi. Yeah, exactly. Blow in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they are ready. Because time doesn't exist on this side. Yes. Maybe you just manifested a spirit. I could have, could have very much. Maybe you never know. But anyways, Joseph Dean, last one. Yeah. So why don't we do one more for the road? Yes. This one's a spooky one. All right. All right. Uh, There is a spooky story of sisterly jealousy. Okay. So this was set in the 1930s. There were two sisters. One was Lorna May and Carol. And they were complete opposites. Now, Lorna May was the younger sister. She was strong and cheerful and a very hard worker. The older sister, Carol, was reported um, to be more attractive but grumpy and lazy. And they both fell in love with a widower who had three children. And his name was Ben. Now, Ben ended up choosing Lorna May to be his wife, imagining them both, you know, working side by side on their farm. But Carol got very angry about this. And thought, shouldn't he be with the prettier one? So shortly before the wedding, Lorna May suffered intense abdominal pains. And Carol was nearby and sent for the doctor. She returned saying that she could not find a doctor in town, but it was believed that she lied and even dawdled around the town instead of getting the doctor for her sister. So Lorna May was rushed to town but died of a ruptured appendix shortly after arriving 
So Carol set out to marry Ben. She even demanded that the undertaker remove the wedding dress from Lorna May's dead body before the burial. A month after the funeral, Carol was able to convince Ben to marry her. Now, their wedding took place in a mid-July um, day, and it was over 100 degrees that day. Carol looked beautiful in Lorna May's high-neck wedding dress. But during the festivities, Carol began to sway and grab at her throat. She ended up dying in Ben's arms on her wedding day. Now, the autopsy revealed that it could have been heat stroke. The wedding dress had absorbed some of the embalming fluid while it was on Lorna May. And the hot weather caused Carol to sweat, which opened her pores and allowed some of the embalming fluid to seep in. This is what they're saying, right? <laughs> so now the ghost of Lorna and Carol haunt this whatever location it is. It's a small town in North Dakota. Haunt there because one, they both died before, you know, one before the wedding, one after the wedding. Both wearing the same dress. Wearing, yes. Isn't that so not the So which creep? ghost is wearing the dress? I would say it would be the second, Carol, because mm -hmm. she died in it, whereas it was taken off of Lorna. But who knows? Maybe they're both showing up in the same yeah. dress. You know, like mm -hmm. Lorna, that dress was for her and it was because made for her. Once again, we talk about fragmentation. We believe that, or I believe that spirit is a fragmentation of the soul. So it could look any way it wants. I just think Ben's a player. Yeah. It's all Ben's fault. He's probably rolling over in his grave like, why do they keep talking about my lost <laughs> loves? My two women I love. The two women that I he probably He with. probably ended up marrying somebody else, I'm sure. He's a tramp. That Ben, how dare he? <laughs> oh, we're going to get haunted tonight. <laughs> but anyways. But, but the story of Ghost Brides is just interesting. It's one of them folk tales. That, I love legends like that. Mm-hmm. And any town we go to, we always try to find those legends. And the next one that we find that's a ghost bride, we're going to go, yeah, we know about this. It happens all over. Well, Joe and I are going to some spooky cemeteries this weekend. Well, one. Yes. And uh, we'll, we'll report back if we find any local legends. And or... we will have an interview yes. in one of the most haunted, famous locations in the country. Yes. Stay guys, tuned for yes. that. Yes. We'll tease you a little bit on that. And I'd like to mention... Not only does Jen have an awesome Poshmark page selling all kinds of high-end clothing, maybe some wedding dresses, you never know, or some dresses that look like wedding dresses, but I'll put the link in the description for that. But also, if you are in the Toledo, Detroit, Fort Wayne area, anywhere where you're close enough to drive, I am selling coffin-shaped bookshelves that are six feet tall, the proper shape. <laughs> I see so many that are so... Like real short and wide. I'm like, oh, make it the right shape. But to me, it's the right shape that a coffin should be. Coffin-shaped bookshelves. I make it myself. I sell them for 350 bucks, which is super cheap because they're selling on Etsy for $700. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I wish a I bargain. Could, I wish I could sell mine for that much. <laughs> but no, if you're, if you're in the area and you would love to have a coffin-shaped bookshelf, look it up. I'll put a picture of them on the Facebook page and... Uh, yeah, definitely. Message guys, me. Yeah, message Joe. Get your really cool spooky. And, you know, Halloween's coming up, so Halloween. it'd be a perfect gift for if you know anybody who has a birthday in October. There you go. 
or, or it's getting married on um, Halloween. Yeah, and they need a coffin-shaped wedding gift uh, bookshelf, perfect. whatever. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. You know what? You could put a piece of glass on it and make it a coffee table. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could. You'd have to knock the bottom off because I got a. There's like a foot that's on the bottom. Well, then you can make them a special coffee table there you shaped go. one. All, All right, right, guys. But anyways, guys, appreciate you guys coming on. As always, like, share, and subscribe. If you want to support the show, we have a donate button on our website. Go to www.222paranormal.com. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later. Have a great week. In the days of Dirt and